Welcome to New Destiny Christian Center's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Teresa Verdecchio. If you want to find more information about our ministry, please visit us online at www.NewDestinyChristianCenter.com. Activation is our word of the year. And the more we get into the year, the more I love this word. Amen? And so, you know, it's, it's funny, Pastor Teresa... And when we were talking and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about different things to, to preach. And she said, well, what I always try and do is I try and take what you said on Sunday and make it applicable. And so, uh, you know, on Sunday I preached on initiative, right? Initiative is one of those things that's very important. I talked about getting out of the box, yes. right? And what the box is in our lives and full of boxes. Well, as I was praying about that uh, and thinking about boxes and getting out of boxes, the Lord said, well, how do you get out of the box? And, and I begin to kind of wrestle with that a little bit and say, all right, Lord, what are you trying to say? And what he led me to is in order to get out of box, you got to look for a door. You got to look for a door, right? If you're going to get out of this room, you can try to get through the brick. But I know enough to know that that brick wall is probably two layers of brick. And it's going to be a little more difficult. But if you go through the door, you can do it. So there's doors in our lives that are very important. Revelations. Revelation. No S on the end of that. Chapter number 3, verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things say he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens... And no one shuts, and shuts, and no one opens. So first of all, I want to pause there. This is, this is the revelation that God gave John the Apostle. Okay, John the Revelator. And he's talking to him, and he's talking to a church. Right, the church in Philadelphia. That's not this Philadelphia. Okay, but he's talking to the church in Philadelphia at that time, which represented a body at that time, but it also represents, when you look at the churches, a group of people in the way we look at the Lord today. All right, if that makes sense. And so he's talking to them, but he talks about the majesty. He who is holy. He who is true. He who has the key of David. Right? If you're going to go through a door and it's locked, you need a key. Well, Jesus has that key. And it says, and he opens, he who opens and no one shuts. When Jesus opens a door, man can't shut it. But then it says, and shuts and no one can open. When that door shuts, it's done. Verse number eight, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. So Jesus is saying in this, 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 this passage, he's saying, I see your works. Why are works important? We know that works do not save you. Right? There's, there's no question that there's nothing that you or I can do to go to heaven, to get God to forgive our sins, to twist and manipulate God. Works are not for that. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and that alone. No other way to get to eternity. No other way to get to heaven. It's only by the meritorious work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's it. But yet the Bible is quite clear because it does talk about works. 
Right? James says, in, in the Word, James says that, you know, you can't have faith without doing something. Right? right? You, you have to have some works that go along with it that show your faith. And so, what it's saying here is, uh, it's saying to, to John, I, I know your works. I, I see your works. God sees when we, in faith, step out and do things. Right, Because the purpose of the church is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right, When Jesus left them, he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So there is an element of God does expect us to step out and do some things. So if we're going to activate, I keep saying activate means action. You can't activate without doing something. Okay, and so when we talk about initiative, we're talking about stepping out and doing something, taking the initiative, okay, doing something. So God says, I see your work, right? Remember, God wants us, he sees your faithfulness, even when you're tired, right? When, when, when I was talking to Tony afterwards, I came back and and. And uh, everybody had, had left for the day, and, and some of the women had already gone down to... And so I, I was sitting in my office, and, and I came out, and I kind of walked through the sanctuary a little bit. And it was quiet, it was dark. I didn't bother to turn any lights on. And, and I'm walking around saying, you know what, God? You just amaze me. That you can start small, and if you're faithful, God just produces... See, when you're faithful in the things of God, God just kind of builds things. Sometimes we think, well, it's not working. When we were in the Northeast, I remember thinking to myself and, and, and Pastor Therese and all, when you're going through seasons that are difficult, thinking, what on earth are we doing? This is insane. And I remember thinking, God, why isn't this just working? And we had someone, it was a, it was a younger saint from another church, and she came one day, and we were struggling to try and get some things established and do some things. And, and at this point, we were no longer in the Northeast. We were down here, but we were meeting literally every other week in Tony's living room. Right? This is after being here for a little while. And we're meeting in Tony's living room, and, and this, this, this girl, this lady came. And, and after the service was over, she was innocent in it, but she looked at, at me and my wife, and she said, so what's the matter with you guys? And, and I kind of looked at her and said, well, what, you know, what do you mean? She goes, why isn't this working for you? Right? But, but I had to sit there and think to myself, well, okay, we've been doing this for a while, and here we are in a living room. What, what is happening? What's going on? Yeah. Right? But I knew what God wanted to do, and I knew that it was in the faithfulness. See, there's something about steady. God's not always you know, a, a, a Kawasaki 1000 bike that gets you fast. I don't know if that's a bike or not. Sometimes he's a freight train. And it's a slow, plodding, methodical, steady, right? Freight trains don't move real fast. But they just keep going. And they bring a lot with them when they get there. Okay, God sees your faithfulness, even when it doesn't feel like he does. It's kind of like raising a family. When you're raising a family, it takes lots of steady in those kids. It doesn't seem like they're getting it. 
Right? You're just, you're speaking into them. Don't lie. <laughs> Don't lie. Don't lie. Be nice to your brother. Be nice to your sister. Get along. My wife used to, when they would get in a fight, she'd take Jonathan and Hannah and she'd make them stand up nose to nose. Just stand there. They hated it. That's your brother. That's your sister. You don't fight with your brother and your sister. You, you get along. Your family. Well, it never seemed like it, it was, you know, for a long time, it just didn't seem like it was having that great of an effect. You know, but today, they're very close. So that effect is cumulative. Okay, there's something about steady. There's something about just being consistent that is important. He sees your faithfulness. Your children see your faithfulness. You may not think they do, but they do. Okay? And he sees your prayers when everything says to give up, that you stay in there. Father, I don't understand. You don't always have to understand. Some of the most powerful prayers I ever prayed were, God, I don't get it. I don't know what you're doing. But Father, I'm going to stand. I'm just going to stand. Everything says run away. But God, I'm going to stand. Okay. Don't try and make sense out of everything. Follow the word. Do what the word says. Be faithful. Be steady. Even whenever he says it. And then he goes on and he talks about you have little strength. Seems out of place to me. Right? It says in verse number 8, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it, for you have little strength. You've kept my word and you've not denied my name. Little strength. Sometimes it's in our greatest weakness that we see that God is at his greatest strength. And that's a difficult thing. Because we feel like we should be strong. But there's something about when you do everything you can and you feel like, God, I just, I don't feel like I can do it. Right? We were just talking about this tonight. And you don't feel like you're able to press through. But that's when his strength begins to come. Because he's got to get us to a place where we begin to understand it's not by all that we do. It's because of him that we make it. It's because of his strength and his ability that flows through us. And sometimes the lessons that we learn are, I've done everything I can, and in all of my put together, I can't make it. But then the Holy Spirit comes along. And we begin to realize we do what we can, but he does what we can't. And he comes alongside and he strengthens us and he helps us. See, that's what the scripture is saying. Right? Israel, how many times did Israel not have the strength to do it? God didn't pick Israel because they were the greatest nation on earth. He didn't pick Israel because they were the most faithful nation on earth. Because half the time they weren't. He chose a small nation. He chose a stiff-necked people. He chose a people that struggled so that he could show himself as strong. Right? So when, when Israel, they went into the promised land, they're trying to establish themselves, and they decided they wanted a leader. Right? They decided all the nations around us. God was their leader. God brought them out of uh, 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 Egypt. 
led them all the way across, led them into the land, right? They had leaders, but they didn't have a king. And they said, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. God said, why do you want a king? I don't understand. You don't need a king. You have me. But they said, we want a king. So when Israel picked a leader, when they picked a king, what did they look for? They looked for somebody who was tall. Saul was taller than everybody else. Saul was more capable. Saul had the right looks. Saul had the right abilities. Saul had everything that man looks for. And they set him in as king, and Saul was not a good king. Saul disobeyed God. So then what God did is he said, okay, you picked based on what you want. Now I'm going to pick a king. And God did the exact opposite. God went to one of the least families in one of the least tribes. And then when he went to that family, he said, go get all your sons. And Jesse went and got all of his sons except for one, little David, who was the youngest. Because he was the most insignificant even in that family. But God said, he's the one. Why? Because God doesn't look at what we look for. He doesn't look at our strength. He doesn't look at our abilities. He doesn't look at how well we do things and how put together we are. What he looks for is our heart for God. And David had a heart after God. That David, when he was insignificant and he was in the field and he was watching the sheep, when his brothers were more important to him, David would be out there on his harp worshiping God. That he just had a heart. But David didn't just have a heart for God. David was faithful. David was steady. Right Later on, we know that when David was going up against Goliath, he, what did he say to King Saul? He said, I fought the lion. And I fought the bear. When a predator would come for the sheep, that David would have to step in between that predator and that sheep that could not defend itself, and he had to put his life on the line to protect that sheep. David was faithful to do what he was supposed to do. And David was a great king. David was in the line of Jesus. Saul wasn't. But David was. And then he said in here, you've kept my word. See, if you want God doors to open up, you have to keep his word. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Jesus said that. If you love me, he said, then you'll obey me. Do the word. And it's really not that difficult. People say, well, I don't know what to do. If you just do what's in the book, if, if you just do that, now that's saying a lot. That, you know, that's saying that you have to forgive, that you have to love, right? That, that uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta live the word. But if you live the word, he said, "I've seen that you kept my word. You've not denied my name." Now it may seem like today that's a bigger struggle than it might have been back then, but it's really not true. Times haven't changed as much as we like to think they are, and pressures are pressures no matter what. And it's very easy in today's society to not, to, to just deny his name. 
to not follow the things of God. That when, when you say you're a Christian and people say, oh yeah, I've met them. Well, I'm not that kind of Christian. See, you can't deny his name. You must be one that's willing to stand and say, you know what? I'm sorry that you've been hurt. He didn't hurt you. People hurt you. But let me tell you about Jesus. Because he'll never let you down. He'll never let you down. There's an assault right now against the name of Jesus. That's why you see so many, you know, don't every time an athlete points up to heaven, don't say, oh, he's a Christian. They might be. <laughs> All right? They might be. Don't deny the name of Jesus. And then he said in verse number 10, because you have kept my command to persevere. Perseverance is something that's huge. If you're going to have doors to change your life, you have to be willing to persevere. You have to go through the hard times as well as the good times. You have to be willing to stand. God never said that when you become a Christian, all of your problems go away and everything's going to be just perfect. Nobody's life is just perfect like that. There's a perseverance that has to be met. Okay, perseverance in the midst of challenge. Perseverance, I always say, is a mindset. All right, I, I, I used to always like boxing. And you see these guys that just have the mindset that I'm going to get knocked down. Right? If you just watch the old Rocky movies, you're going to knock me down, but I'm going to get back up. And you're going to knock me down again, but I'm going to get back up. There was a perseverance that brings you through. Okay, so perseverance just means simply that. Uh, it doesn't matter if I get knocked down, I'm going to get up. I'm going to make it, all right? We're, we're, we're trying to plan a marriage conference for this year. And, and one of the greatest advices that I can give, and married now for 34, five years? Five, I think, right? 35 years, boy. The greatest advice I can give you, if you want to be married for 35 years, you know what you have to do? Persevere. When you want to kill each other, you don't. It's simple advice, and yet it's hard. When you want a divorce, you don't. Perseverance. And it's the same thing with walking for God, walking with God. You have to persevere. At times when it seems like it's the wrong thing, you persevere. You stand anyway. You don't give up. And then it says, so I opened a door for you. When God opens a door for you, life can begin to change. If. If. The if's important. Okay? So what's a door? Door are two things. For one, a door is a way out. When you're in a place where life is beating you and it just seems like you can't make it. When it just seems like it'll never change for you. I was talking to somebody yesterday. It was yesterday Tuesday? Yes. I was talking to somebody yesterday. And they said to me, I never thought when I was being, you know, when I was growing up, I never thought I could be where I'm at today. Nothing in me dreamed that I could be where I am today. I said, well, what did you do? And this person said, I just kept stepping. I just kept doing what was in front of me. I just, I didn't stop 
right? It's, it's easy to think I can never get out. That this is as far as I'll ever go. I mean, I, I know I felt that way about a lot of things. I don't know who else did, but I felt that way about so many things that, that it's a dream, but I can never do it. I can dream about it. I can think about it. Right? That's, that's why the, uh, the old movies, the millionaire movies, uh, you know, where they'd show the life of the rich and famous, you know. Why were those so popular? They were popular because people thought, oh, I could never. And so we want to see this is the way some other people live. But the truth of the matter is, the door can get you out of the circumstances that box you in. The door is the way out. When God opens a door, it's a way to be able to get out of abuse. Right? How many women were, were, were their, their moms were abused and they marry an abuser? And they think this is just the way it's always going to be for me. How many people are raised in religion that's dead, that's dry, that, that, that just you go because you go, but you never feel the presence of God. You never feel an anointing of God. You never feel that there's anything that's happening that God can not heal and all these things. And you feel like you can't get out. But God says there's a door. And that door is meant to get you out of abuse, to get you out of the, 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 the different things, the, the drug habits, the problems that we have, that that door can lead you to a different life. But what else does a door do? It leads you into something else. That when you dream, right? The person that I was talking to yesterday, they said, I never thought that I could do this. And then they looked at me and they said, and all of my dreams... I feel like I've, I've gotten to where I need new dreams. I need something else to be able to shoot for. I need something else to be able to get to. The door gets you out of the situation you're in, but it also can get you in to different things. That you don't have to live the lifestyle that you once lived, that you can begin to step into a new place. When I got saved, everything changed. Everything changed. I mean, everything changed. All of a sudden, I began to see something that was completely different. And I had to walk through that door to get to the other side and allow myself to understand. See, in order to go through the door, the first thing you have to understand is you have to see the door. You have to see the door. It sounds so basic but you have to be able to see it. Have you ever been in one of those rooms where the door was kind of hidden into the wall and you had to search for it, like a playhouse kind of thing? And you have to look and you have to find where the door is. You have to see the door. Open doors are easy to miss. They're easy to miss. Many times we have a hard time seeing the door because it doesn't look like what we thought it would look like. Right? Why does everyone play the lottery? Because they think they're going to win the lottery and their life's going to change. All right? True statistic. True statistic. You have a better chance of getting hit by a falling airplane part than winning the lottery. Doesn't that make you want to spend 10 bucks every week? You have a better chance of getting hit. Anyone ever been hit by a falling airplane part? So that's about how, you know, 
One time I was driving in, I think it was in New Mexico. I was in the desert. That's where I saw my first roadrunner. True story. And I'm driving in the desert. There was no cars in front of me as far as I could see. There were no cars in my rearview mirror as far as I could see. I'm driving along in the desert, and literally an airplane part fell and land about where Mike was and bounced up and over the car. That's as close as I ever got to getting hit in the lottery. <laughs> it just, right, and yet, people think, if I just try, somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to do it. I just got to give it a shot, right? So it doesn't look like you think. Those doors many times are things like hard work. It's, it's stepping out and doing the difficult things that you may not want to do, right? If, if, if your goal is to want to be married for 25, 30, 35 years, then, then you have to work through the hard times instead of throwing it away in the hard times. The doors don't always look like what you think they're going to look like. When I knew what God wanted to do, I knew and I know and I can see things that, that God wants to do with new destiny, but it, I, it didn't look like what I thought it would look like. The sacrifice and the, the challenges that were there, I didn't see those ahead of time. And so when I walked up to them, I thought, no, wait a minute, is this the way it's supposed to be, God? It was hard to recognize the door. So you've got to pray, God, show me what the door is. Right? The whole Jewish nation missed Jesus. They pray for the Messiah and they missed him. Because he didn't look like they thought he was going to look. They saw a king. They saw somebody coming that was going to finally rid them of all their persecution. That was going to stand up to the Romans. That, that would push it aside and stand on his throne. But Jesus instead was born in a manger. That didn't make sense. Jesus was somebody who walked humbly. That didn't make sense. It didn't line up. And so rather than see the Messiah, they saw a false prophet. And they persecuted and eventually killed him because he didn't look like they thought he would look. It says in Matthew 6.10, in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom will, your will be done on earth it is in heaven. In other words, he's saying, not my will, but his will be done on earth. Not what we're looking for. See, the door doesn't look like we think it looks like. It's, God, what do you want? Father, I want your will to be done on earth. I want you to pour out your spirit. There's a shift that happens when you begin to pray. Father, your will, not my will. There's something that begins to change because you start looking at things differently. The, the people that bug you the most, he loves them just as much as he loves you. And when I begin to understand that, I think, now wait a minute, God, they hate you. And I remember God in my prayers. I'm like, God, this person hates you. They, they don't dislike you. They hate you. They hate me. They hate you. They hate everything about Christianity. And I remember in prayer, and the Lord spoke to me and said, and I died for them just as much as I died for you. 
and I love them, and I want to save them. It changed the whole way I started looking at people. It changed the way I prayed for people. You mean, God, that they're that special to you? Pick the worst, most evil, horrible person. He loves them that much. He loves them that much. I remember when I got saved, I lived in Denver, and, and Anton LaVey lived in Boulder, Colorado. Anton LaVey wrote the Satanic Bible. He lived in Boulder, Colorado, about maybe 40 minutes away or something like that. And, and I remember thinking, you know, here's a man that is the embodiment of evil. And yet Jesus' love for him was just as much as his love for me. It'll change the way you look at people. It'll change the way you see them. But if you're not careful, you miss the open door because you're looking for something else. When we witness, it's much easier to witness to Christians. Even if they're bad Christians, than it is to witness to people who hate God. And yet there's something powerful about it. I remember Miss Brenda, she's not here tonight, but Miss Brenda, you know, she's this big. And we would go out witnessing, and whenever you would see bikers, we were out west in Colorado area at that time, and there's a lot of bikers. And they just, they all look about the same, you know, the rough looking bunch of guys. And you'd be at a gas station somewhere, and there'd be a bunch of bikers that would pull up and fill up for gas. And here's little Miss Brenda. Let me tell you about Jesus and just how much he loves you. He died for you. And they would always be respectful to her because she was just willing to share the gospel with them. Sometimes you got to go up to the ones who you don't think like you and be willing to just reach across that aisle and see, some, see God move. Your kingdom come. It says it like this, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow him who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. See, this is his kingdom coming. That when we go, we should take Mark 16 and we should understand, I can go. And I can do gospel work. I can pray for the sick and they're healed. It doesn't say this is the pastor's work. This is the work of the believer. I can cast out devils. And then it says, if I take up any deadly thing, that doesn't mean that we're snake handlers. But what it means is that if you're doing the work, right, like Paul was, he was doing the work of the gospel. He was shipwrecked. And he was preaching the gospel on this island where they came up. And it said he reached into where the sticks were because he had to put wood on the fire. And when he did, a serpent bit him. So when you're doing the work of the gospel, when something reaches out and bites you, whether it's a snake or, or just a, an enemy, the devil, whatever it may be, the Bible says it won't hurt you because you're doing the work that he sent you to do. So the people were amazed because it was a poisonous snake and when it bit him, they expected him to die. But instead he just shook it off and shook it into the fire. And he kept on doing the work. 
So you don't have to have fear of what happens if. Right? That's what the gospel is trying to tell you. It's what Jesus is trying to tell you in the scripture. You don't have to be afraid of it. Pray for the sick. Do the gospel. Do what it says. Your will be done. Be about his business. Be about his business here on earth. And he'll move. But when you begin to identify a door. Now, how do you identify it's a God door? Not all doors that open are God. Right? If you're 40 and a pretty 20-year-old is, and you're married... Right? I had a pastor used to say, you know, I was 40 years old and a 20 year old started coming on to me and I realized I'm not wired for 220. Okay, so you have to recognize the doors that are God. How do you do it? First of all, is, is it the word? If you're married, that's not God. Right? If You have to, you have to, you know, take the word for what it says. Okay, follow what the word says. Secondly, you need to pray and be led by peace. You have to pray and be led by peace. I can't tell you how many people walk through the wrong door in finances. Pastor, I've been praying, I've been praying that God would give me a job where I'd make all kinds of money, and I have this opportunity. And it's, it's, it's way over here, and I know God doesn't want, but there's churches everywhere, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my whole family, I'm gonna uproot them, and I'm gonna move over here to, to Indiana. And I can't tell you how many of them didn't pray and ask God. They responded, and when they got there, a couple years later, now they lost the job, they lost their family, they lost everything, they're back, and they're crying out, trying to get some help. So make sure you pray and are led by the peace of God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Sometimes we don't ask God because we're afraid of the answer. We're afraid of what God will say. So when a door presents itself, you need to pray. You need to make sure it lines up the word. You need to pray, and you should get some sound advice from some people. Because usually people that are close to you, whether it's your pastor, or it could be some of your close friends, or they can look at you and go, you know, that just doesn't sound right. It's funny, when somebody comes to me and they say, this is the opportunity that presents itself, and I start to ask them hard questions, they usually get mad at me. Well, you sound like you're not for it. No, I'm just trying to ask you hard questions. If it's God, you should do it. You want people to ask you some of those questions. Okay. So you pray. You got to recognize the door. You got to make sure that it's a God that wants. And then you got to do the hard thing. You actually got to walk through the door. You'd be amazed how hard it is to see an open door and not actually go through it. Because doors sometimes can be difficult. That's why so many people that are in abusive relationships never leave those abusive relationships. Because it's almost more fearful to get away from it than it is just to stay in it. That's why it's so difficult to get to the other, other side of addiction, whether it be alcohol addiction or drug addiction or gambling addiction or porn addiction or whatever addiction it is, there's almost more of a fear of living without it than just staying in it, even though you know it's not good for you.
You've got to be willing to walk through the door. It can be risky. It can be difficult. It can be scary. But you can do it. You can do it. I said, when we were in Louisiana, we were set up. Me and my wife had finally started doing pretty decent. We had rental properties. We were able to get more rental properties. We were starting to build and do a lot of different things. Finally, things started to make sense in our lives. And God said, it's time for you to go. And I remember sitting there and, and he told me first. And I remember thinking to myself, God, this just doesn't make sense. I don't understand what you're trying to do here. He said, I told you that you're going to go and pastor a church. I said, I know, but that was a long time ago. He said, I told you what I wanted you to do. Now it's time to go. And I was going from a place that I was set up. Things were going well. We had rentals. We had all this stuff. And I knew that I was going to come up here to a place that was harder. It was more expensive. I didn't have all those things going for me. And I'm like, God, this just doesn't, it doesn't line up with me. And then I had to tell my wife. And she said, you are out of your mind. You have done flip the burger somewhere because you're not going. And I had to pray. And she finally just kind of, she felt God. And God spoke to her in the way that he does. And, and when we came, it's not like everything just worked perfectly. We took the biggest risk of our life. And when we got here, it seemed like nothing was working. Nothing was making sense. Nothing was going the way we thought it was. It was difficult. It was hard. We had a word from God, but that's about it. And yet we knew what God wanted. See, living on the other side is difficult. Because you don't know what's on the other side. You know where you're at. Sometimes it's hard to trade what you have. It's kind of like the old, what was the show where, you know, behind door number one, door number two, or door number three. What was that show? Let's make a deal. And then they'd, they'd open it up and it'd be something pretty good. And they'd say, now, if you want to give that up for what's behind this door. <laughs> sometimes it was a goat. Sometimes it was a car or a vacation. Right? That's why you pray. <laughs> but it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to let go. See, there's boxes that we're in that keep us from being able to go further, that keep us from being able to progress in the things of God, from being able to, to do everything God wants. But in order to do it, you have to be like that trapeze artist, that you see that, that handle that's coming towards you, but unless you let go of this rope, you never get to the other one. You have to be willing to let go and trust God in order to get out. Does that make sense? Yes. So remember, to activate, you have to be willing to let go and get to that other place. Amen. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Maybe you're here tonight and you're either not saved or you're backslidden. You're not right with God. Somewhere along the line you left and you just know that God wants to do something. Tonight you're feeling his presence. He wants you to come back. Before we do anything else, we want to give you an opportunity to make sure your heart is right with the Lord. If you're here and you're not saved or you're backslidden, but you want to get your heart right, you just signify it with an uplifted hand. Is there anyone at all across this building? 
unsaved, backslidden, you want to take this opportunity. Then maybe you're here and God's dealing with you about some doors. About taking the initiative to walk through the door. Maybe it's something like that you were approached to be a, a circle group leader and you're not sure. Maybe it's being more involved in ministry. Maybe it's about being more dependable in the things of God or stepping out in those areas. And it's an open door, but you're not sure. God wants to move. We're in a season of activation. That activation means new actions, new doors, new places. God wants to do it in your life. We're going to stand to our feet and we're going to worship God. And if you want prayer tonight, you can come forward and we'll pray for you. Let's just stand. Let's just worship. These altars are open. I give myself, I give myself to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. I, I, be willing to step through the doors. Caution's not bad, but fear will prevent you from going through. You got to allow them to just seek wise counsel, pray, and read the word, and allow those things to be your guidance. Amen. <laughs> well, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We do pray for the women that avalanche is a powerful move of God. That Father, you move. Bind every work of the enemy, every work of the devil. All the travel plans are coming together. So, Father, I pray, safety all the way in, safety all the way back. And, Father, that you're going to move with an anointing that's going to change the lives of many women. So, in Jesus' name, I pray, go with us tonight. Have your hand upon us, protect us, and let your blessing follow us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor David Verdecchio of New Destiny Christian Center. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.newdestinychristiancenter.com.